Goosebumps, number 33. The Horror at Camp Jelly Jam by R.L. Stein. Tennis? Ping pong? Monsters, anyone? It's not whether you win or lose. It's how you stay, stay alive. alive. Swimming, basketball, archery. King Jelly Jam Sports Camp has it all. Too bad Wendy isn't a total sports freak like her brother Elliot. But how excited can you get over a game of softball, period? It's just a game, right? Wrong! Because Camp Jelly Jam is no ordinary sports camp. And Wendy's about to find out why. Why the counselors seem a little too happy, a little too obsessed with winning, and why the ground is always rumbling late at night. Listener beware, you're in for a Nice kids. They're gonna love Dark Falls. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking the whole time I was reading this, rereading this book? What? I was thinking about what Deborah Forte, executive producer of the Goosebumps TV show and of the movie, told us about what she wanted to do for the sequel. Justice. Which was potentially this book as the sequel to the Goosebumps film. Wow. Were you thinking about that as you were reading it? I forgot that she said that. There is a cinematic quality and the epic, kind of an epicness to this book, I feel like. Yes, God. They, I gotta stop doing that. Arl Stein really shoves in a, a lot of look in one book. Do you oh, know what I mean? the look book. Yeah, and um, this is one of three camp stories we get in the original Goosebumps series. We had Welcome to Night Camp Nightmare. We have Ghost Camp number 45. Yes. And am I missing one? Um, the Curse of Camp Curse. Cold Lake. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Whoa, a major fail on my part. You're wrong. There are four. Wow, I am trash. I'm hot Chinatown trash. You know, this actually had a lot of similar elements, I felt like, to um, Welcome to Camp Nightmare. Yeah, part of me was like, did you think that we forgot what happened in Welcome to Camp Nightmare? Because there's some recycled tropes in this boot. Yeah, there truly, truly are. Yeah, that's right. So this book, oh, by the way, I'm Daniel. Hi, I'm Matthew Scott Montgomery, and you're listening to Welcome to Dead. And the I'm, Goosebumps podcast. I'm just Daniel. And Daniel's just Daniel. So this book came out in... Hi, Emily and Cassie. Hi, Emily and Cassie. What up? Um, this book came out in July 1995. Yes. In the, you know, the middle, the dead of summer. Yeah. And um, it's really, really brings that heat for the, for if you're listening to this currently, it's winter times when we're recording this. Yeah. Um, I literally read this, reread this book by a Christmas tree. A Christmas tree. I did. What would you say is the most Christmassy? I already know the answer to this. Goosebumps book. Beware the snowman. Yes. 
Well, that's done. The end. There's no other choice. For he brings the cold, my child. Beware the snowman. God, I can't wait to get to that one. Camp, the horror camp jelly jam, I, uh, I, uh, it sticks out to me in, in the Goosebumps series. I, the last time I read it before this time was I was in Hawaii. Oh, when wow. we went was to, I, I was about to say, was I there? When we went to Hawaii, I remember reading this on a beach in Honolulu. What made you bring it to Hawaii? Because I wanted to bring like all the summery Goosebumps books that I could get my dirty little mitts on. Would you say this is one of the most summery books in the series? I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I I mean, I feel like Deep Trouble, even though uh, Deep Trouble and Deep Trouble 2, it's, you know, like vacation-y and like ocean and stuff like that. This is, this gives you those summer camp feels. It does feel particularly warm. And this book is really terrifying because there's so many sports in it. Yes, it really is one of the scariest books for me and I had the hardest time understanding half of it because they're playing so- they're playing at one point they play softball? I guess so. You guys know, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, every now and then Arl Stein loves to sneak in some baseball or softball into his books. I feel like he's like a sandlot kind of kid growing up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. That's what I think Jovial Bob is. So he likes to take it back to camp. Take it back. Take it back. Take it on back. Sometimes when we do like little songs or raps, they're references to things. I just completely made that one up and it's not a reference to anything ever. (laughs) Are, Are you sure it's not? Take it back. Take it back. Take it on back. I just made that up. You did. Are you thinking, um, if you can't take it, then get back. No. Get back. No, I know that. Yeah, I know that like the back of my butt. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> This book was, um, there's no corresponding TV episode. No, so we're just talking the books po- today. Hence the potential for, you know, uh, a cinematic version. And, but this book was also made into, it was it, it, uh, a graphics novel. A That's Goosebumps true. graphics novel. Do you guys which we know have re- the horror camp jelly jam? Which we have referenced you know on previous episodes. <laughs> do you guys know what happens in this book? I don't think they do. To Although me- somebody on, I, um... I posted on Instagram today that we were recording and it was a picture of uh, the cover of the book and and your friend, our, our friend Andrew was like, I remember that one. Uh-huh. So I thought, so maybe, maybe they, maybe the listeners do. I feel like to me, there's such a fucked up twist to this book. Not really yeah, a this, twist this ending. Book, this book gets nasty. Yeah. Um, this book kind of veers in a different direction for a twist ending, but the concept of this book I've I've always it's all I've always carried it with me everywhere I've went ever oh, since I was everywhere, little everywhere you've gone everywhere I've gone and rereading this by the Christmas tree for a second I was like girl this book is fucked up did it make you want to eat those Brussels sprouts wait spoiler alert woo um, but I think what the cover of this wee, book wee. there's two covers of this book there's there's the original cover and then there's the remake cover try not to look at the remake cover I don't know like I don't like the remake cover it's, it's I trash I never like yeah. them. But the original cover, which is posted on DL's Instagram already, and I, I think 
Um, you should check it out. Danny Mac 769, D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C-K 7, a 6 and 9. And by the time this episode comes out, I will have posted on my Instagram as well, which is mm. Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery. Um, I love the cover of this book. It's, and it's currently the background of my laptop. For some reason, I feel like this looks like us. Maybe it's just because the guy has blue eyes. Do you think that if this were a movie, we would have to be two counselors? Uh, yeah. It's like our zero casting. Yeah, our zero casting. Zero casting means like, what's your like? You walk into your room and somebody's like, oh, well, that person's a camp counselor, or oh, that person's that person's a thug. It's well, like your immediate count. Casting. We have to be like really good at sports, though. Oh, I don't think we have to be really good at sports. I think we'd be perfect, though. No, we'd be really good for this. Yes. So anyway, the cover of this book is a camp counselor with a garish, freakish zillion toothed smile much and, like ours and big bloodshot blue eyes much, much like, like ours. ours um wearing a camp jelly jam t-shirt that i uh need and like a hat with a with a purple c on it and a whistle dangling and he has a black belt pulled up right underneath his pits and then behind him is a grassy field with woods with a fire far off in the distance. It's a sunset, but it looks like a dirty oh, old fire. Oh, I never thought of it as a fire. And can, we, can we talk about this? Let's talk about this. I I, I insist that, um, listeners, you Google this cover. Because is this a man or... It doesn't matter to me. And I'm really open to it's this. It's Pat. Yeah, is it a man or a woman? Oh, I've always assumed it was a dude. But I'll take either. I'll take either to the bank. I always thought it was a woman. You did? Yeah. I always thought it was like some crazy... It, for some reason, it reminds me of like... I'm shook. I think it's a woman. Wow. Do you think it's... A, it's hard to tell. Am I right? You guys, if you don't know what we're talking about by now, Google it right now and tell us what you think and email us at welcometodeadcast at gmail.com. Man or woman. And, you know, like, as I said, I, I'm... I love it all. Yeah, I love it all. I think it's great. Gender fluid. Here for it. Oh, me too. All the way. Now, of course, Tim Jacobus drew this. Yeah. And can Matthew, would you please tell the listeners the one piece of trivia about this? He modeled himself. Uh, I'm at a loss for words. He was the he he took a picture of himself. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. In this pose. And he based the drawing off of a picture of himself making this expression with his with this particular body language. Now that would lead me to believe that potentially this figure is supposed to be a man. And he, and you know what? It probably is, and probably could be. And you know what? I think it honestly might be. But <laughs> but I just I actually really love it a lot. It's one of my favorite Goosebumps covers. It's, it's one also, of the, I think it's one of the scariest. It's really I think it's really frightening, and I think it's a good representation of the book without giving away the darkness that is really underneath what's happening in this book. Yeah. Because I'm really, I think, gross I, love, I, think I love this book. I, I love it too. I, when I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here or whatever, but like, you know, when I reread this back when I was sweet, sweet, I put the grades in the top corner of the book. I gave this book a B and I think, I think I, st I think it's a good B horror book actually. I agree. Tell me what colors the book has. Um, cover. Jungle green and kind of a dusty mauve in indigo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I would say it's a boring turquoise and a dusty lilac. Okay. You're probably, Dion's probably right. Daniel's much smarter than me. I am. It's true. So this uh, book, the protagonist is, of course, a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, named Wendy. And named she, Vendla. 
And she has um, a semi-annoying younger brother who's 11 named Elvis. And they are are on their first family vacation in three years. And I will appreciate that the Goosebumps graphics version of this, it's the graphic novel, um, the, as always in Goosebumps books, I think our protagonists are white. I think it's assumed and the descriptions would allow for that. However, however, I would like to point out that I, when we, I would like to describe what, what Elliot and Wendy and their parents look like. Yes. Because uh, because the graphics novel does make them African American, which yeah. I, which I think is great. Yeah, and reading this, the, the mom is definitely white in the book's yeah. description. So this is the, this is what they look like. When Wendy says she and Elliot are skinny and sort of dark like their dad, but I will point out that later in the book she meets one camper, only one who's African American. Her name is tr- Rose, and she has a silver hoop in her ring and a great throaty laugh. That's true. She does, and. Uh, sort of dark like her dad like their dad with brown eyes and brown hair yeah unlike their pudgy blonde blue-eyed mom yeah so maybe it's an interracial family i hope so anyway i we point that out because it's not it's it's not common in goosebumps books yeah and yes so they're on a road trip and basically they're riding in their car and they have a trailer hitched to the back of the car and they're going from idaho to wyoming so they're driving through all kinds of hills and valleys yeah and and pastures up towards the mountains wendy and elliot are super bored same i'm just kidding and their mom keeps pointing out cows and sheep that she sees along the road and wendy has had it she's over it and we learn, quickly learn that Elliot is just in general a super competitive kid who hates to lose so much so that sometimes it scares Wendy. Is this book terrifying? And Wendy's like, this is so boring. And she has the idea. She says, Mom, Dad, will you let us ride in the trailer in the back? Won't that be fun? And to me, that I liken that to, remember in station wagons when you could sit in the back of the station wagon in yeah. the seat facing out the back and you yes. can see the road and how cool that was. This whole next sequence, the next two or three chapters, as a kid and even as adult reading it now seems so cinematic and sexy and wild and crazy. Oh, it's completely sensual. It reminds me of Jurassic Park. Oh, And yes. like, I've always... I've oh this is one of the things that stands out to me about this book is this next sequence because I'm as a kid I always wanted to experience this. Oh well yes, we should also point out that, you know, Matthew and I really like a sense of danger and we love to be <laughs> thrown around and we You guys love, we love amusement parks. So what we would do is we'd have my our father is a race car driving instructor and he's a, a an amazing driver, very safe. Yeah. But he loves to get wild he loves to go fast so he would drive us around our neighborhood and matthew would say oh daddy daddy please oh daddy drive faster drive faster and we would take off our seatbelts and hop in like the back compartment of our what what i don't know station wagon it was a station it it wasn't a seat but it was like a big wide trunk yes in the back of a station wagon and we would lay out blankets and pillows and my dad would drive quickly and dangerously around the neighborhood. And we would pretend that the car was flipping over. And Dale and I would flop and bang around the back of this car. I would also like to point out that our junior year of high school, remember we were after uh, Wizard of Oz, we were moving 
props from the high school up to where the props were kept, which was like kind of down a dirt road. Yes. To like the big house that was next to the high school. Oh yeah. And our drama, well, it was, I think it was my drama teacher. Yeah. Dr- not mine. It was yours. Be, what, did, you, did, you, did, did you take drama? I don't remember. School? I can't remember his name. I remember his first name was Matt. Wasn't his name Mr. Scott and his name was Matthew Scott? Yes. See, I do remember. I believe Wow, I guess in the back of that van you got banged around and bumped your head. Uh, So, Mr. Scott drove us and Adam and Melissa. He was only our teacher for a year. Yes. I did take class with him. I had a class with him. Maybe. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, he drove us recklessly from the high school late one night up to where the... I think it was you, me, Kristen, Adam, and Melissa. Oh, Kristen, maybe it was Kristen. And we rolled around the back like this. It It was was so much fun. fun. It sounds probably weird and dangerous, but it was... I don't care. That's me. It was, it was, it was a, it's a really good memory. I remember so thanks Sc- for listening, you guys. Mr. Scott introduced me to Waiting for Guffman. Oh, yes, that's correct. I'd never seen any of those movies before until he introduced it to yes, me. Yes, uh, same here. Okay. Very good. Really very good. So next week we're doing Revenge of the Law Gnomes. So w- let's talk about what happens. So they get into the... Oh, yeah, we didn't even explain didn't what explain happens. explain it. They get into the trailer and they and they're like arm wrestling and Elliot's like freaking out about winning and winning and winning and and Wendy kind of lets him win. She's like they're arm wrestling Fine. and if that's important I'll let you win. But then they realize in the trailer that the trailer isn't going uphill, it's going downhill. Like their parents are backing the car up. And they're like, what? It's going backwards. What, is mom driving? She's a terrible driver. (laughs) And so they climb up to the front window of the trailer and they realize that it's become unattached from the car. And they're shooting downhill at top speeds. And they're ricketing down the road, screaming at the top of their lungs, and the trailer bursts off the side of the road into the trees and so it goes banging down flipping down crashing through trees and rocks and dirt and their tiny bodies are getting banged and slammed around until they crash they're gonna crash they're gonna die then and then the trailer crashes end of chapter two and they are waiting for this big crash right but it kind of rolls to a stop yeah it stopped and they make their they climb their way up towards the front door because it's the the trailer's now at an angle. Does this make you think of the Lost World Jurassic Park? Yes, it really, really, really does. And as they're wa- cr- climbing towards the door, they hear three knocks, and they go, "It's mom and dad." But uh, when they open, when the, the doors open, it's not mom and dad. It's Tim Jacobus. It's Tim Jacobus, and he it's a man, and he's wearing a white t shirt, white shorts, white socks, white shoes, a small round pin that says "Only the best." In bold black letters, he has blonde hair, sparkling blue eyes, tan skin, and a mouth filled with 2,000 white teeth. Pretty gorgeous. Amazing description. And he was like, wow, you guys are very lucky. You made it, you know. My, you- my name's Buddy. And this guy's name is Buddy, and they, they sort of peer out and see that the trailer has narrowly missed a bunch of trees and has basically landed in a bunch of sort of like sloths, soft dirt. And brush. And he says, wow, you guys are really lucky. Look where you landed. And he points up behind them, and there's a sloping hill with a red and white banner on poles that says, King Jelly Jam's Sports Camp. Next to it, there's a little smiling purple blob with a crown. Do they ever really call it Camp Jelly Jam? It's always King Jelly Jam's Sports Camp. I'm not sure that they do. But But I I tell you, the horror at Camp Jelly Jam is such a provocative name. It's great. You know, you can never go wrong with some great alliteration. I love a purple blob. And so when, Wendy's like, well, my parents, we've got to find my parents. And, and Ellie, Buddy's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll find them. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's that thing where it's like, no big deal. Why don't you just come stay at our sports camp for a few days while I try and find your parents? And Wendy's like, I don't know about this. And he's like, we have all kinds of sports, only the best. And Elliot's like, sports? Sports? I love sports. So in this book, and like Daniel just alluded to, this whole idea of like trying to find your parents and stuff, there are some major plot holes in this and just kind of a... um, Plot holes you could drive a trailer through. Yeah, there's like a lot of suspension. I mean, I know this is a kid's horror book series, so I shouldn't have to say there's a suspension of disbelief in this book. But I feel like you guys, as readers or listeners, you just have to let go of the idea that they're going to really try to find their parents because that never actually happens. Of course, you, you know that. You know it as well as I do. So Buddy's, Buddy says we have all kinds of sports, ping pong to football to croquet to soccer to swimming to tennis to archery to marbles. You can play it all. So they walk up the hill and you know into the camp. The camp is huge. They have Olympic-sized swimming pools. There's all there's long row of tennis courts. There's Everything two swimming pools. Everything is very pools. clean, white, and state-of-the-art. Yes, baseball, diamond, all kinds of stuff. There's two long, white, two-story buildings that are the dorms, the boys and the girls. And Buddy's like, you guys can sign up for everything you want. The only rule at King Jelly Jam Sports Camp is to try hard. Only the best. Only the best. So Buddy jogs... Simply the best. Better than all the rest. So Buddy jogs towards the soccer field. Elliot's like, "Ah, hey, we wanted to go to camp, right? This is great. And then a six or seven-year-old girl appears behind a tree. She has bright red hair, a full face of freckles. Take a drink. Redhead. A pale blue... Oh, by the way... When they're flopping around in the trailer, Wendy falls hard on her knees. She does? She does. I can't believe I missed that. Wow. She does. I must have been so excited. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Take Take a sip of a drink. Yeah, take a sip. And this little girl's wearing a pale blue shirt over black tights. And she says, don't come in. Run away. Don't come in. Tears are streaming down a face. And... Wendy's like, what? what? And Buddy says, hey, Wendy, what's the problem? And Wendy kind of like, um, uh, uh, no problem. And turns back and sees that the girl is gone. No, please. So they walk through this totally awesome camp. And everywhere in the camp, there are these triangular signs posted with King Jelly Jam's cartoon blob purple face with the crown that says only the best. I love that. Only I love the best. it too. I absolutely love so it. So Buddy takes Wendy to the office so she can pay to stay at camp. Oh wait, no one ever pays anything this whole book. And so they drop Elliot off of the boys' dorm past the gymnastics competition and diving to the girls' dorm. And, and wow, so, she's like... So Elliot can unpack all of his stuff. Yes. And Wendy's like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Buddy, where are you from? And Buddy says... <laughs> Buddy goes, um... And looks really confused and says, I, I, I can't remember where I'm from. I don't know where I'm from. But I forget things all the time. And like Wendy kind of notices how upset Buddy is about not remembering where he's from. And so she like tries to change the subject and make it up to him kind of. Yes, yes. And she's like, I get it. I forget things too. That's okay, buddy. Only the best. And then another counselor shows up. It's a, it's a woman with short, dark hair and purple lips. Is this lipples. Yes. A purple fingernails. And just these purple. I love a girl with purple lips. I love a guy with purple lips. Same. And Wendy points out, or should I say Arlstein points out, that her, um, that, uh, what's her name? 
Holly. Holly. Holly's purple. Buddy and Holly. Yes. Holly. Matthew just winked at me, by I the way. I did. Wow. Pur- Drink. Holly's purple lips make the rest of her face disappear. I really, really liked that. Me too. That was a fun little Hello, gem. I'm Holly. Are you ready for some sports? Takes her to the dorms, and the dorms are luxurious white rooms. Each room has two blue bunk bags on each wall, a sleek white dresser with a framed picture of King Jelly Jam Cute. over You, I want one. White Do you promise? Le- white leather armchairs and bright windows and honestly it sounds gorgeous (laughs) it does so wendy goes to unpack all of her stuff oh wait all she has is the wet clothes on her back and why are they wet because she's sweating so much it's hot (laughs) she says oh you know you won't even spend much time in your room and you'll love your roommate deirdre she's about your age I love the name Deirdre. There's some great names in this book. Buddy, Wendy, Deirdre, Jan, Ivy. Yeah, they're really great. Alicia. And so she leaves. Jelly Jam. Holly leaves Wendy alone in her room. And Wendy's like, what do I do now with her? And she's, uh, uh, we point, Arlstein points out that she's wearing denim short shorts and a pink and blue striped t-shirt. I'm wearing the same thing right now. Woo! I gotta get my purple lip stitch. And then all of a sudden she hears whispering and giggling in the hallway and she hears, <gasps> and she hears voices saying, come on, we've got her trapped we in there. we got her trapped in there. Let's get her. Let's get her. Take a close. And then three girls, three girls come in the room in a straight line with menacing looks on their face and Wendy puts up her hands and goes, no, no. And then the girls laugh and laugh. Sounds like junior high. And Deirdre says, we were just playing. Deirdre's so gorgeous with her streaky blonde hair. And she's so tall and a streaky blonde hair. Jan is the one of the other girls. She's small and wiry with short black hair cut into bangs. Yes, let's go bang. And then Ivy is the other girl. She has frizzy blonde hair under a red and blue Chicago Cubs hat. See, he loves baseball, Holly and Ivy. So they just laugh and laugh. And they say, that's just a prank that we play. It's the third time we've done it this week. It was Deirdre idea they say let's all get changed before the four lap race wendy you can join and wendy's like i don't have a bathing suit and deirdre says you can borrow mine i have tons of them we're about the same shy one thing i like about this book unlike i feel if i remember correctly the other camp books the other three that exist in the original gusto series all the other campers in this book besides jeff who we'll get to later are friendly and it's like wendy has like friends on her side and like the the antagonist is something else that's going on in the camp. It's not a fellow camper that's making things nightmarish for her. Yes. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that too. And I've never thought about that before. I also, I like the relationships in this book and I like the relationship between Wendy and Elliot, even though they're like, it's an annoying little brother. They're still there for each other. Yes, there's some cool things that happen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You guys, you guys don't know. You don't even know what we're talking about. And Wendy's like, I can join you guys, but I don't know if I really feel like like participating maybe i can just dive in the pool and swim around a little you know cool off and jan goes but what? you can't and grabs her and says no way and deirdre says you have to compete you can't just swim only the best and then all of them say right only the best best and when he's like what do you mean best. why do you keep saying that and deirdre says put it on we're gonna be late put on your swimming shoot so they go to the pool. The pool is huge. And there are two dozen girls competing, each with their own lanes. I know. That means there are 24 lanes in this pool. It's pretty big. And Wendy's like, oh, this is cool. Deirdre, are you a good swimmer? And Deirdre says, the best. Only the best. 
So the race starts, and Wendy immediately realizes that she's winning. Yeah, she's pumping those arms and kicking those legs and swimming and swimming and winning that race. And she thinks, maybe I should pace myself, you know? Like, maybe I'm not in, like, maybe I can't keep up this pace. Yeah, like, and like there's four, there's four laps to go or whatever it is. So she starts to slow down and pace herself with the other girls to give her some more energy for later. And she notices that Deirdre starts to pull ahead. And all of a sudden she's neck and neck with Deirdre. And as she's swimming past Jan, she sees Jan as desperately disappointed. And she sees the determination in Deirdre's face. On Deirdre's face. face? When Deirdre's face? And, I, and I'm all, when do you have time to look at people's faces? I don't know. I've been swimming before. I can't see nobody's face. In I can't see shit. So. <laughs> it's for people who like don't have contacts. Oh, that's true. They don't, and they, they ain't even wearing goggles. So she sees... Oh, the, the chlorine in my eyes. So she, so she sees the determination in Deirdre's face. She goes, reminds me of Elliot. And at the end, it's really down to Deirdre and Wendy. And Wendy's like, I can tell that Deirdre really wants her to win. So she lets her win. Yeah. Really wants to win. So lets her win. Everyone goes nuts over Deirdre. Deirdre gets a medal with a... this. Uh, it's not a medal. It's like a... A, a gold coin. A gold coin. And in it, fact, Wendy later goes like, what's so great about these coins? It's like, they're not even, they're like kind of cheap and small. And the king, the, the, the coins are gold with King Jelly Jam's face on them. And it's called a king coin. And Deirdre's like, it's my fifth king coin. If I win one more, I can walk in the winner's walk. So the idea of camp, King Jelly Jam's sports camp is that you want to get at least, at least six king coins because once you get the six king coins you, you get to walk. walk that night in the winner's walk you just walk around the track and everyone cheers because you've won and you're and how best. you win is you win a, a tennis match or a race or a ping pong battle or whatever and yes. every time you win and sometimes you can be on a, a team like if a softball team wins a game everyone on the team gets a king coin if they win yes and, and you wear them around your neck in a stolen gold necklace. Yes. And Holly comes up to Wendy and says, I'm afraid there's a problem. And Wendy's like, oh no, is it about my mom and dad? Oh yeah, that's right. My parents must be absolutely losing their minds freaking out. And um, Wendy's like, well, what my, what's wrong with my parents? And Holly's like, oh, we haven't found your parents yet. She's like, what's wrong with Elliot? Is something wrong? And Holly goes, no, no, there's nothing wrong with them. The problem is that you didn't try very hard to win the race. I saw you. I watched you. I saw your slow strokes in the last lap. I don't think you tried your best to win. Only the best. Am I right? And she was like, well, it's my first race. And I, Holly says, I know you're new at camp, but you know the camp slogan, right? And Wendy's like, yeah, it's only everywhere I look. And Holly's like, "It's listen, it's kind of a warning, okay? That's why I decided to talk to you now. It's kind of a warning. You need to try your best. And Wendy's like, what? Warning about what? And Holly doesn't reply, forces a smile on her face and says, catch it later, okay? Uh, and then Wendy uh, says, Holly, where are you from? And Holly says, I can't remember. No, Holly runs off, actually. I know, I'm just kidding. So Wendy walks past the tennis courts, think about what Holly said, and sees Elliot sprawled out on the ground. His eyes close, his arms and legs spread oh, out no. awkwardly. He's unconscious and dead. And she runs up to him and he wakes up and laughs. He goes, just kidding. In fact, he always pulls that dead joke on her. <laughs> this is such a cop out. This is such a like, we How, just need a that, chapter break. That happens so often in Goosebumps books. Yeah. And oh, yeah. he's like, I'm just kidding. I'm totally fine. Come see me in the ping pong tournament. And she's like, okay, fine. And she sits next, she sits next to Buddy at the tournament. And Buddy's like, yep, no words from your parents yet. Sorry. And Elliot battles this huge blonde guy with red face named Jeff. Jeff is going to be Elliot's arch nemesis for this book. And it's the third game of ping pong and they're tied and they're playing and playing and playing. And Jeff starts to get really 
and Elliot's starting to win and Jeff gets really nervous and wild and angry and Elliot becomes wild and angry and intense and, and Wendy's when, like, wow, he's getting really intense. There's no way he can win if he's this intense and angry. She knows what to do when Elliot gets really intense and what she does is she sticks two fingers up her mouth and she whistles and she knows that when Elliot hears Wendy's whistle, that whistle means it's time to calm down. It's time to cool it. You just put your lips together and blow. Yeah. So as Elliot's about to serve angrily, she goes. <laughs> <laughs> neither, neither Daniel and I can whistle. I can't whistle. Sorry. <laughs> this is me really trying to whistle. See, Daniel's whistling. I told you he's smarter. But I whistle when I suck in. Aren't you supposed to whistle when you blow out? I don't know. So Elliot immediately hears the whistle and calms down and ends up being cool and collective and collected and ends up winning and he gets a king coin. Only five more. Only the best. So Wendy goes back to change out of her wet bathing suit and Elliot's like, I want to change win. into what? And Elliot's like, I want to win more before, one more before tonight. And as they're walking out, the ground starts rumbling. Oh no, it starts a rumbling and a shaking, just like my tummy. And it's an earthquake. Help. Help. I, I hope they had their earthquake preparedness kit. Oh, me too. But they don't. And but and it stops and Buddy's like, oh, it's nothing. It happens like once or twice a day. No one cares. See, nobody even notices. And they look around. And, and no one's reacting at all to the earthquake. And they're like, oh, okay. And Wendy's like, isn't it dangerous? But he runs off. So she goes back to the dorm and gets bombarded with questions from Ivy and Jan about joining the tennis tournament. And Wendy's like, uh, yeah, sure. And decides to call home and leave a message because her dad is always checking messages. She's got a phone home, Elliot. And, but she sees that there are no phones anywhere, but finally she finds two pay phones outside of, I don't know, like the, what's it called? The mess hall? The lodge or something. I don't know. I never went to camp. Sorry. And as she picks one, uh, picks a phone up, she hears somebody scream, get off the phone! And she goes, no, no. And she turns and looks and it's Deirdre. And Deirdre's like, she's won her six king coins. And she's gonna be in that winner's walk. And she's so excited. She's sorry to interrupt, but I just had to tell you, I win. And Wendy gets so excited for Deirdre that she forgets to even make her phone call and walks away to celebrate with Deirdre. And Wendy's like, you know what? Maybe I will try out for this tennis tournament. Maybe this I'll place is the best. Only the, the best. best. So that night they have dinner in the huge mess hall. And then they go to the track for the winner's walk. Winner's walk. Winner's, winner's walk. walk. And it's a bunch of lit torches. Liberty Walk. And the winners march past everybody wearing their coins as necklaces. And there's trumpets and drums. Give me them gold playing. coins. Give, Give me, me them coins. And it's so fun. And Wendy runs back to the dorm with Jan and Ivy. They have chips and salsa and two diet They cokes. don't have any salsa. Remember, they just eat tortilla chips. Oh, and they have... They share two diet Cokes. And they're going to be like, let's celebrate for Deirdre. We're so excited for Deirdre. They's going to be a big party when she gets back to our dorm room. Toot, toot. But Deirdre never shows up. What? Where's Deirdre? And it's all flat out, but she hasn't shown up. So Wendy's like, why don't we go look for her? And Jan and Ivy like, but we're aren't out. We weren't allowed out past 10. And Wendy's like, who cares? 
what could happen? And then it, it says, little did I know what was going to happen. A lot. <laughs> Literally, it says that. So they uh, they sneak around the camp at night. They stay off the brightly, the obnoxiously brightly lit path that kind of leads to everything. And they just stay right off it and walk past the dark swimming pool, ping pong tables, tennis courts. When they hear someone and they hide against the tennis court fence in the dark and see a counselor named Billy with sunglasses on, whistling and humming and snapping his fingers. (laughs) And going, only the best, only the best. And once he passes, they decide to try the mess hall. And that's when they see all the dorm windows go out. And that that's when they realize, oh no, it's officially lights out. They're out past lights out. Wait, so I, where was Deirdre partying then? I don't know. No one's even at the lodge. And then they hear fluttering and see dozens of bats in the sky oh, swooping no. down towards them. Bat alert. By the way, rereading the Goosebumps series these past couple years... I now realize that how many times bats are in Goosebumps books. Yeah, Arl Stein gets positively batty. He does. So um, the bats are are flying towards them. Wendy lets out a scream and shields her face with both, both of her hands. I'm are you about this. to read my favorite sentence in the entire book? The fluttering g- grew louder, closer. I could feel the bats' hot breath on the back of my neck. Then I could feel them clawing at my hair, tearing at my face. I've got a real good imagination when it comes to bats. That's hands down my favorite sentence of this entire book. I've got a real good imagination when it comes to bats. When uh, Jan whispers, Wendy, it's okay, look. I followed her gaze up to the fluttering bat black wings the bats were swooping low but they weren't swooping at us they were swooping down and landing at the swimming pool at the bottom of the hill to take a drink just like you should right now bat alert and they're like oh they're just drinking from the pool they're because it's so hot out they're hundreds of yards away they're not in my face so they decide to head back and as they're headed back to the dorm they see another counselor headed somewhere and they hide and goes hey you well, they're hiding, and when the coast the coast is clear, there's a crazy earthquake. Oh, yeah, that's right. Another big earthquake, and they're like, what is it? So they head back to the dorm when they hear someone running towards them, screaming, help, help me. And it's that little girl from earlier, and she's running towards them with her hands outstretched what from the tennis court. What are you crying about, Alicia? And now she's wearing blue short shorts and a magenta midriff top, midriff top. Like I'm wearing right now. And Wendy grabs her and hugs her and the little girl's sobbing and she pulls them into the bushes and the little girl keeps saying, we're not safe, we're not safe, we need to get out of here. I followed them and I saw something terrible and we have to go now. Saber's coming. And all of a sudden they hear somebody say, caught you. And a dark haired counselor steps out in front of the bushes and they go, oh no. Oh no, we're, we's caught. But it turns out he was just saying that to another sexy woman counselor who was out and about. And then they fuck. They they don't. I know. I just got excited. And the the other counselor says, you're not following me, are you? And the original counselor says, no, you're following me. And they laugh and laugh and laugh and walk through the bushes and completely ignore the, the, the four children standing there. Only the best. And they stroll off together into the woods. And then Wendy and Ivy and Jan look to a little Alicia, but Alicia's gone. Where'd she go? Something weird's going on here, you guys. So they sneak back into the dorm and no one catches them. And when they get back to the dorm room, Deirdre's still not there. And Jan opens the dresser to like change her clothes or something and says, no, no, I don't believe it. And Deirdre's stuff is all gone. Can you believe that? 
Hmm. When has this happened when has before? This happened before? Uh-huh. When has there been a Goosebumps book about a camp where after campers disappear, all of their clothes are gone? I think you know, guys. <laughs> so We're talking about Welcome to Camp Nightmare number nine. If you remember, that's exactly... It is nine, right? Yes. Yeah, it, it, um, this exact thing happened. And so what? So the next morning at breakfast, Elliot... Wendy goes to Elliot. It's like, but they haven't found her parents yet. Something's wrong. Something's weird. Weird's going on. Elliot's like, I don't care. And yeah, Elliot's like, I straight up don't care about her parents. All I care about is getting my six king coins. And I gotta get them now. And he says, Wendy, you're the worst. Only the worst. <laughs> he literally says that. And Wendy finds Buddy, and she's like, Um, dear, just stuff my is gone. Buddy, my buddy. Buddy <laughs> just winked at the microphone. By the way, I didn't wink at it. Yes, he did. So he's, she says, buddy, buddy, where's Deirdre? And he says, Deirdre, hmm. And looks at his clipboard and says, oh, Deirdre's gone. But his cheeks turn red when he says that. And Wendy's like, um, okay, but was there a counselor name? I mean, was there a camper named Alicia? And, and he's, he's like, nope, no little girls named Alicia with red hair. That's not what he says. In fact, he says, Alicia, hmm. And with a chilling grin and bright red cheeks. He says, yeah, she's gone too. Bye. And Wendy stops Elliot after breakfast and says, but kids are disappearing. Is this where she can like confront him and everyone stares in the mess hall? Yes. And he says, I don't care about kids disappearing. I just want to win. And Wendy's like, you know what? It's time to try the phones on the side of the lodge. Yes, that's right. I never made that phone call the other day. So she uh, picks up the receiver and all of a sudden hears something. And in the phone, someone says, hi there, camper. Have a wonderful day at camp. This is King Jelly Jam greeting you. Work hard, play hard, and win. And always remember, only the best. And then immediately again, it says, Hi Hi there, camper. camper. Have a wonderful day at camp. This is King Jelly Jam greeting you. And she realizes it's just a message. And then she tries the other phones, and it's all just a recorded message from King Jelly Jam. What? Something weird is going on here with the phones at this camp. It's like another book that I've read before about camp where the phones don't work. It's number nine. Welcome to Camp Nightmare. Jelly Jam. So Wendy wanders aimlessly and finds her way to the basketball court. My aim, true love. Where Elliot is competing one-on-one with guess who? Jeff. It's Jeff. And he loses to Jeff. And Jeff reveal when Jeff wins, Jeff gets his sixth king's coin. Winners walk. Winners walk. And then as Wendy is watching them, feel like she feels like someone's watching her. And she turns around and sees the buddy. And he comes towards her and says, I'm sorry, Wendy, but you have to go. And she screams. No, no. And he says, you have to go find a sport. You can't stand around watching other kids play. King Jelly Jam would never approve of that. So go find a sport to play. Do what? And he says, why don't I set up the day for you? You play tennis, then you play softball. And so then she plays tennis with Rose, that African-American girl who's pretty and tall with a purple tank top over black shorts and a silver ring ring dangling from her ear. Just like the one I'm wearing now. And she... Rose is like, yeah, I got five king coins, and I never play for fun. I play to win. Same. Just and, kidding. I play for fun. And um, she wins. And now it's time for Wendy to go to s- softball. Now, here's where things get very confusing for me. It, it, yes. I don't quite understand about... I don't understand what softball is. Yeah. They basically just, like, talk in baseball lingo for, like, the next three chapters. Well, quickly, before that... Wendy, 
a counselor comes up to Wendy and says, that's where the softball diamond is. Go, go, go. And she starts to walk and he says, don't walk, run. Let's see some spirit. Only the best. <laughs> so Wendy is put on a team and she's what you call a pitcher. She, yeah. She's going to, she's going to pitch the ball, but even though she's pitching the ball, they give her a bat and she's going to be batting ninth. Mm-hmm. And so she's, uh, practicing her swing by the by the third baseline. Uh huh. And she's taking a swing and swinging and swinging. And then as she swings, she accidentally hits Buddy in the chest. Well, no, she like the bat that she has is like she 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 like can't practice her s- swinging upswing because she keeps choking up. And so no, she the bat is too long for her. So she's. Choking up on the bat, which means she's grabbing it closer to the tip. Like, she's she's holding it... She's not holding it at the base of the bat. The little... The, where the little nub is at the end. The doorknob. The tiny doorknob. <laughs> where she keeps choking up. So, to choke up means you hold it towards the, the, the top... The fat tip of the bat. Which podcast is this? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> And so she's holding it closer to the top of the bat to get to understand. get a better to get a better swing on it, and she's swinging around and she hits Buddy, who she didn't even see standing there. She hits him thwock with a sickening thock, and it cracks his ribs. She hears ribs and fingers bones snap, and instead of him reacting at all, he stands there stone faced and says, "Huh, I like the way you choke up." But maybe we could, you could find you a lighter bat. Maybe we could fi- find you an aluminium bat. <laughs> <laughs> and he's why don't you, let, why, don't, why don't I see you swing again? And Wendy's like, um, and is so freaked out and thinks, I should have just killed him. And if you remember, a similar thing happened where a bat hit a kid or a, a fellow person and it should have killed them and that was in Ghost Camp number 45. Yes. Yes, Which we, we haven't, haven't gotten there yet. But wasn't there a sickening like baseball swing in I'm I think you're Oh, I it's a baseball that gets thrown at someone and hits the Oh no, I'm thinking Monster Blood 3. I'm thinking Ghost Camp which is which is several books from now You're where right. kids I'm stick their ghost... hands in fire and no one cares. Yes, I'm thinking Ghost Camp, but I'm also thinking Monster Blood 3 when um, Andy and Evan are running to the field and trying to get um, their... Uh, no, I'm Monster thinking... Blood 2 with no, Cuddles? No, 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 no. I'm wrong, and I'm embarrassed, frankly. I'm thinking... I'm getting my baseball diamonds confused. You're thinking, thinking of It Came From Beneath it the came, Sink. I think It Came From Beneath the Sink. Yeah. When are you guys following us? When um, uh, you know, uh, the gruel gets tossed back and forth, and yes. Cat has to Kat, run up to Cat has to run up to them, and then doesn't um, uh, somebody gets hit in the head really hard. Yes. Yes. Anyway, this was pointless. Yeah. So she's really freaked out that Buddy doesn't react at all. And she tells Ivy and Jan about it. And they're like, well, girl, maybe your string ain't, your swing ain't that strong. And everyone kinds of, kind of laughs it off and wears deer And they're like, maybe he went by himself and screamed into his pillow later or something. And they're like, Buddy seems fine. So that night is a super windy night at the win- Winter's Walk with Jeff and Rose. Yeah. And the next morning, Jeff and Rose are gone. Didn't see that coming. And they still haven't found their parents yet. 
Yeah, that's right. They still have parents. So the next day, Wendy spends the whole entire day searching for Elliot and can't find him. Yeah. And at lunch, Buddy reminds her, Remind you have softball. You're playing left field this time. Don't forget. Don't get stuck out in left field. And Wendy decides to herself she's going to sneak out that night at the winner's walk with Elliot. They're going to go back to the road and hitchhike or go to the police or something because something is terribly wrong with this camp. Yeah, something is up. So she spends all day searching for Elliot. Same. And she finally finds him after dinner and he has five king coins. And he, was, and he admits, you know what? I'm a little worried about... A little worried, too, that we haven't found mom and dad yet. And this camp is a little weird. But I don't want to leave until I get my sixth king coin. And I have my track meet tomorrow morning. I know I can get a king coin. Can we leave after I get my king coin tomorrow morning? And Wendy's like, fine. So after the winner's walk that night, she doesn't feel like going back to the dorm. So she decides to just hide out in the bushes and stare at the sky. (laughs) And while she's hiding in the bushes, she starts seeing counselors walking up towards the lodge, but cutting into the woods before they actually get to the path um, that leads to the lodge. So you guys, things are about to get very, very weird. Very weird, very fast. Yeah. So Wendy decides to follow them. We're also kind of, we have like 20 pages left. Yes, we're we're getting towards the end. Wendy decides to follow them, and then she sees uh, actually Buddy Buddy and Holly walking into the woods together, and she follows them through the dark woods to a small, white, igloo ish sort of smooth building with a dark opening cut into the side. And so she's like, decides to sneak in down through there into the dark and she takes like three steps down and what she sees in there is four torches that have lit a stage and every counselor in camp is sitting watching the stage and on stage is Buddy. Yes, and all the counselors are sitting in long wooden benches facing a low stage where Buddy's standing. There's a huge purple banner that says, Only the Best. And when he decides to hide in the back, it's very, very, very dark in the back. She decides to hide in the back, and while she's hiding there, she finds a little closet doorway and decides to hide in that little closet. And Buddy takes out a long, dangly king coin, and he says, time to refresh ourselves, and starts swinging the coin and starts hypnotizing the counselors. And so Wendy's like, Wendy's, Wendy's like, what is going on? And Buddy starts saying things like, clear your minds. Clear your minds to serve the master, for that is why we are here, to serve the master in all his glory, to serve the master. To serve the master. We do not think, we do not feel, only the best, only the best, only the best. So this book has quickly become very sexy, (laughs) and all the counselors are like, their eyes are glazed, staring straight ahead, and I'm wildly turned on. And Wendy's like, what? Like, serve the master? Oh, wait. Buddy's been hypnotizing everybody, and he's saying, we don't think, we do not feel. That's why it didn't hurt him when I hit him in the chest with an aluminum bat and broke his ribs because he's hypnotized himself and all the counselors not to feel anything. And then she sneezes. And she's like, uh, no. I sneezed. And um, Buddy says, who is it? And it's so dark in there that when he just goes back into that closet to hide. But then she she realizes it's not a closet. It's a stairway that's going down, curving down, darker and darker, hotter and hotter. And then she sees a tunnel and she has no choice. Girl and got no choice but to go down that tunnel it's and smooth... see where it takes her. And that tunnel, is, there's pu- gross little puddles. And she starts to smell uh, the most disgusting smell she's ever smelled in her entire it's life. It's sick. It smells like Halloween Horror Nights. It smells like hot, sour milk. Ew. Now I know I'm going to be seek. 
And not only does it smell bad, but there's an odd sound that sounds like low moans. Oh, no. So she's walking down the tunnel towards an open doorway, and things start smelling worse, like decayed meat and rotten eggs and rotten garbage that had been left out in the sun for days and days. Ew, it smells like smelly old stink. And she the she falls it all the way to the opening. In the opening, there's a large, brightly lit chamber with the ugliest, most frightening thing she's ever seen in her entire life. Are you guys ready to meet the horror at Camp Jelly Jam? And it, I mean, it truly is one of the most horrifying and ugliest things I think I've ever read or just or. When I was rereading this book this time around, it was even more horrific than I could have possibly remembered. It's absolutely disgusting. And I want to read the description, actually. Oh, so, I'm going to cover my ears. You guys, trigger warning. This might make you feel sick. So, I can't go out. <laughs> I'm sick. So in this huge room is bigger than any balloon in the Thanksgiving parade is King Jelly Jam. And there are a bunch of kids all around King Jelly Jam with mops and hoses and sponges washing him. And basically, he's a fat, gross, purple mound of slime. Let me tell you how gross. Oh, and he says he's a, he's not a cute little mascot, but a fat, gross, purple mound of slime nearly as big as a house wearing a gold crown. Two enormous, watery yellow eyes rolled around in his head. Ew. He smacked his fat purple lips and groaned again. Hunks of thick white goo dripped from his huge, hairy nostrils. Sick. The disgusting odor rolled off his body, even holding my nose couldn't keep out the sour stench. He smelled like dead fish, rotting garbage, sour milk, and burning rubber all at once. The gold crown bounced on top of his slimy, wet head. His purple stomach heaved as if an ocean wave was breaking inside of him, and he let out a putrid burp that shook the walls. And she notices that, you know, everybody's, like, cleaning him. Um, tons of kids, dozens of kids cleaning him. And as they worked, this is so gross. It's so gross. Little round objects rained down on them. Click, click, click. The little round things clattered to the floor. They're snails, black snails popping out through King Jelly Jam's skin. So essentially what we're looking at, I always imagine a purple version of Jabba the Hutt. It's Jabba the Hutt. And he has tiny, tiny arms like a T-Rex. And it's a gross mound of purple slime who smells so bad and sweats snails that he needs kids surrounding him or constantly washing him with hoses and sponges because his own smell is so disgusting that he constantly has to have it being washed off of him and deirdre is the person that delivers this information to wendy because she sees that everybody that has been in the winner's lock and including jeff and uh, Rose, also little girl Alicia, who's sobbing, and Deirdre, they're all washing him. Only the best get to wash King Jelly Jam. And, Deir and Deirdre says, get out of here. Only the best, only the best get to be King Jelly Jam's slave. Ew, sick. And the earthquakes that they've been slaves. feeling is every time that King Jelly Jam belches because it's so loud that it shakes everything. And they have to keep washing him 24 hours a day because if they stop, King Jelly Jam will eat them. And he's, Deirdre says he's, he's already, already eaten three, three kids. kids today. Can you believe this? Is that insane? And, and uh, all of a sudden King Jelly Jam notices her and lets out a roar. And then she realizes, oh no, wait, he didn't even see her. He's just roaring to quote, keep everyone terrified. So Deirdre says, get help. So Wendy runs out, runs back up the stairs into the chamber. There are no counselors there. And she realizes uh, as she runs through the woods that they're, uh, they're all in the tree throughout the woods searching for whoever sneezed with flashlights. So Wendy like essentially hides in the bushes and falls asleep there overnight. Yes. She hides inside some hedges by the track. 
and falls asleep and wakes up to the sound of cheering and she wakes up and I can't I don't know how you fall asleep in some hedges I don't but either. wakes up to a, a track competition and she sees the track competition the one that Elliot is in and, and she, she sees, sees that, that Elliot, Elliot is in the lead Elliot is in the, in, in the lead and he's about to win and so Wendy's at her most desperate and wild here so she runs well before before that she tries to send, do her special whistle yeah, I ain't doing shit. But though. her mouth is too dry because she had no water that morning. Yeah. <laughs> so she decides he can't win. So she so, just, so to keep Elliot from winning, she decides to run onto the track too, and right before he's about to cross the finish line, tackle him to the ground so he doesn't win. Elliot's pissed as fuck, of course, at first, but then he sees how serious Wendy is about getting the fuck out of there. And so he's he's like, oh, something must be wrong. So she's like, follow me. So they run with counselors running after them, and she leads him to to the you know the building, the igloo building with the black theater and the King Jelly Jam room. And they run all the way back, and Elliot's like, I can't believe this. And Cat's like, I have a plan. I'm Cat, sorry, Wendy. Wendy's like, I have a plan. So she screams, everybody get on the floor now. So everybody everybody that's watching King Jelly Jam. J- does what she says and like presses their bodies to that wet, sick, snail-covered floor as flat as they possibly can. And King Jelly Jam loses his shit. He's furious. His two tongues are flicking out, Ugh. and he reaches out with a fat purple arm for Alicia, who's who hasn't who hasn't flattened her, who who hasn't gotten on the floor yet. And when he's like, "Get on the floor! Get on the floor!" and Alicia yells, lays on the floor, and uh, King Jelly Jam can't pick her up. And Wendy's like, I was right. You see, I know that his fingers are too big and clumsy to pick up someone laying flat on the ground. So I don't know if Cheryl Arlstein specifies that he has necessarily short arms. Oh, I thought for some reason assumed he did. Or maybe I'm of thinking course. about the Goosebumps graphics novel where you see his tiny T-Rex hands. Yes, I'm sure that's the case. But Wendy says that she knew that his fingers were too big and clumsy to pick up somebody laying on the ground. It doesn't really make sense. It kind of happens very quickly. It does. It happens so fast. Meanwhile, snails are popping out bouncing noisily on the floor and he starts to weaken because he's starting to choke on his own stench and he reaches for a hose but can't reaches for a bucket of water knocks it over and roars and groans and points at wendy and reaches for and manages to grab her yeah his with hands his are purple sticky fat hand and as he, he managed to because she's still standing picks her up and pulls her toward his mouth but kind of loosens his grip as she slips out and falls forward head first as he falls forward, head first, onto the floor. His crown falling off and clattering on the ground. His body spreading out all over the floor, and he dies and has suffocated on his own smell. And everyone cheers and sobs, and they all run out through the woods and run into a line of counselors on the path from on the lo- next to the lodge. And Buddy screams, don't let them get away. Now, if this seems like it's going very quickly... It does. And also, there's something that happens right now in the book that I don't think ever happens again for the entire Goosebumps series. Yes. I know what you're about to say, but before before that, uh-huh. I just want to point out that uh, the, all the counselors follow Buddy's instruction and move towards them stiffly like robots. Which like I robots. Love. I love that. And then this is what Matthew was talking about. Um, then the police come. Something we never see. Just like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's not a whole lot of police ever. No. So when they when they come or when that's a thing or guns are a thing, that's very jarring because it's unusual for the series. So the cops come. Blow and, a whistle and everybody freezes. And, the, and 
And it turns out that the smell from King Jelly Jam was so bad and spread so thickly into town that the cops followed the smell to the sports camp to figure out what was causing it. And that whistle that the police officers blew breaks everybody, all the counselors from their trances. And Holly says, where where are we? What's happening? And they have no clue what's going on. And as Wendy sort of like, you know, says to the police, take me, help us. We need to get back to our parents. As she's walking down the hill away from the lodge, she sees Buddy and says, Buddy, are you feeling better? And Buddy's going, only the best. Only the best. He's muttering to himself, can't focus on anything, saying, only Only the best. best. Only Only the best. best. Only the best. Cut to their home. Two weeks later. Um, Elliot and Wendy are home. And um, uh, everything's fine. And I guess that uh, Elliot and Wendy's mom had uh, called the camp. And Buddy had told the mom a few a few times that Elliot and Wendy weren't there. The kids weren't there. And so they're like sitting down getting ready for dinner and there's a knock at the door and they go to answer the door and guess who it is? It's Buddy. And Buddy shows up with neatly brushed hair, chinos, which I still don't know what those are, white and blue, a white and blue striped sports shirt, which I still don't know what that is, and a dark blue tie. And he, he apologizes. And, and he like, comes to give... Uh, Elliot his last king coin because and he was like you really did win that race after all and you deserved it and here's your final king coin and everyone's like oh that's kind of nice buddy thank you and Elliot like, kind of hesitates but then it's like what's the big deal the, you know King Jelly Jam is dead what, what could possibly happen so five minutes later Elliot and Wendy are sitting in the living room and then they hear they, then they smell this horrible smell and Elliot's like what is that smell and Wendy's like I don't know it could only be one thing it could only be one thing so this is, then we're about to do what we love to do. The first paragraph and last paragraph of the book. Mom pointed excitedly out the car window. Look, a cow. This is the last paragraph. I heard mom laugh behind us. We turned to see her standing in the doorway to the kitchen. What's wrong? She asked. I have a pot of Brussels sprouts boiling on the stove. Uh, so when I think of this book, the three things I think of are trailer flipping around, the image of King Jelly Jam and Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. In fact, the other day I was making Brussels sprouts in my kitchen, which I've decided that I'm completely over, by the way. I'm over Brussels sprouts, too. And I texted Daniel a picture. I was like, lol, Brussels sprouts. When I read this book when I was a kid, I'd never had Brussels sprouts before, and I always assumed Brussels sprouts were completely disgusting. And then I went for a, through a very brief phrase, brief phase where I liked Brussels sprouts, and now I don't like them. I thought Brussels sprouts were the, like, um, like literal, you know... You know, we would have sandwiches when we were younger at like Schlotzky's Deli or whatever. The little sprouts. The, the little, like little tiny microgreen sprouts. Yeah. I thought those were Brussels sprouts. See, when I was a kid, I thought Brussels sprouts are always just like wet balls of leaves that are hot and wet and disgusting and smell like King Jelly Jam. And it turns out you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I like, I like Brussels sprouts, but I think, I, I think I'm good for a while. Yeah, I think I'm set for life actually. So was this book fucked up and crazy, you guys? I kind of love it. It's I so kind of love it too. It's so, it's so dark and weird and nasty and I stand by my B I think it's a good B I really really like it so up next we have Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes uh oh here we go we'll have a TV episode with that and a couple things to say about the movie I'm sure yes well thank you for coming to camp with us you guys I hope you had fun I hope your time was the best only Only the the best. best and we're off to the races